Methodist Podcast for March 11th, 2018. Today's special guest, Don Curry, will be taking care of things for Pastor Day while he's out on vacation, and he will be telling the story of Ruth in a sermon titled, Finding a Life Partner. This ought to be quite interesting. Afterwards, check out our website. There's tons of information there about things going on at the church. And uh, we've got the Christian Motorcyclist Association rally coming up on the March 16th and 17th. Don't want to miss that. Check out all the information on our website, hodebaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast and have a great day. Let's open in prayer. Thank Father God for your word. We thank you that it does not change. You do not change. Uh, we just pray that you would uh, meet us where we are, take us where you would have us, show us Christ in the scriptures, illuminate its pages with your Holy Spirit. We ask that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I have to give a special welcome this morning to my daughter, Hope, and her husband, Grant, who's here. I haven't seen them for way too long, and uh, so it's wonderful to have them here. Uh, This morning, I want to speak to you single men and women um, about God's surefire method for finding the right husband, wife or husband that God uh, has for you. Uh, if you're married, don't tune me out. There's a lot here for you as well. Uh, this Christ-centered Bible method actually predates eHarmony and Tinder by a few thousand years. Uh, I can personally testify that it works because it did for me. Uh, amen. And as you may guess, I predate smartphones and the Internet. Just not, just not by a few thousand years. But, even though some of you might think so if I told you that I also predate color TV. <laughs> I actually do. <laughs> Just, uh, how many single people do we have here today? Uh, a lot. And I, I think we're going to have more as, as we grow in the future. Uh, I know the burden of finding the right mate, uh, the... A life partner can seem really daunting. Uh, I had to travel halfway around the world and wait until I was 27 to find the dear wife that I still have today. Uh, but God was faithful, and even somebody like me, he had somebody for. I was clueless, I really was. <laughs> but God was faithful and gave me a wife. Uh, most of you probably heard a, a a lecture from your parents on the dire consequences of a poor choice in marriage. And and if you grew up in a Christian home, you've probably been warned, don't marry a non-believer. Um, that admonition is very wise, but the light that I want to share this morning uh, about finding a life partner doesn't have any don'ts. Two weeks ago, I spoke about Naomi in the book of Ruth. And I told that story of how uh, she had, rather than staying in Bethlehem, that she and her husband had left 
to go to Moab, which was a pagan nation, to find food. And while there, Naomi's husband dies, and then her two sons go against God's law and marry Moabite women. Then the sons die. So after ten years, with the famine over, we find Naomi setting out with her two daughters-in-law to go back to, uh, on her way to Bethlehem. But right away, she urges the two daughters to go back to Moab, to their home in Moab so that they might find husbands for themselves. Uh, one daughter, uh, Orpah, uh, goes back, but the other daughter, Ruth, refused to go back, and she pledges never to leave Naomi, and most importantly, to make Naomi's God her God. And so today I'm going to pick up Ruth's story at this point, and then we'll pick up the application on finding a life partner. So uh, turn, if you would, to the book of Ruth, uh, first chapter, and we're going to read that very well-known passage in verse 16. Now, Ruth is speaking to Naomi. And she says, Do not urge me to leave you or go back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. In New Testament terms, this is where Ruth got saved at. Well, Naomi arrives back in Bethlehem. And she was bitter with God because of the loss of her husband and her two sons. But... In spite of her bitterness, she calls God El Shaddai, which the meaning of that is the God who is more than enough, the all-sufficient one. She had learned this difficult lesson while there in Moab that there's only fullness back in Bethlehem. Uh, To put that in New Testament terms, there's only fullness in Christ. And when you leave fullness to find fullness, you only find emptiness. Uh, The name Bethlehem, interestingly, means house of bread. It's a picture of provision and fullness in Christ. And Naomi learned this valuable truth that even in famine in Bethlehem, when you're where you're supposed to be in God, there's still fullness there. And I, I'm sure, especially those of you who have been saved for many years, that can testify that when you have Christ in your life, even when things are going wrong and it seems like there's famine on, there's a fullness that you can only have in Christ. And when you go outside Christ to try to supplement it, and that can be things in the world or You can even supplement Christ with religious things. There's only emptiness. There's no substitute for Christ himself. I mention that because all Christians start out here where where Christ is everything. And it's important to note in our story here that this is where Ruth is starting out. She's a new believer, and this view of God as the one that's more than enough is is doubly reinforced for her because of Naomi's testimony. Uh, it took Naomi 10 years to get back to that realization she had, I'm sure, when she was uh, a new believer. So it's important to note it's this very mindset 
of Christ alone, God as the one he is all sufficient and more than enough, that puts Ruth in a place where God can bless her with the husband. And more importantly, to use her to <clears throat> in his great plan of redemption for the world. Uh, well, they arrived back in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So here we have two widows. They're busted flat, basically. They had no welfare system back in those days, at least not like we've got. And it just happened. I'm going to come back to that. It just happened that Ruth came to glean in the field of a man named Boaz, a very godly and very wealthy man. Well, right away, Boaz notices this beautiful young woman gleaning in his field, and he asks his field foreman who she was. And so then he begins to court Ruth, but she's kind of clueless. And you know, he invites her to eat lunch with the reapers, and he says, you can go drink, drink with their water, and you tag along close behind. You don't need to go to anybody else's field. And and then he instructs his reapers to be really sloppy and just, you know, leave a lot behind. <laughs> um, Reminds me when I hope doesn't hope doesn't get mad at me for telling stories about the kids. One time when we lived in Newport, Rhode Island, um, up there the beaches on Narragansett Bay are just crushed up clamshells. It's nothing very pretty. But uh, the girls are small, and my dad and I bought this basket of of real pretty shells, tropical shells, and some of them were even painted artificial bright colors. And and we stuffed our pockets with them. And then my uh, my wife and the girls and my mom and dad who were visiting went for a walk on the beach. And my dad and I were walking ahead of them, and we're kind of dropping these little <laughs> shells behind. And, 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 and Leslie and my mom are kind of helping steer. Well, why don't we look over that? Oh, look, wow, look at this shell we found. <laughs> and uh, it was years later when we told them, uh, you know, those shells didn't really wash up on the shore there. <laughs> well, that's what was going on here. Uh, the Boaz told his reapers, you know, just they're leaving it all behind. And Ruth is going, wow, boy, these guys are sloppy. <laughs> and um, they also, he also instructed them, don't touch that woman either. Uh, well, when Ruth gets home with all this grain, Naomi's very excited to learn that this generous man, Boaz, is someone that she knew to be a near relative of, of her late husband. This was a big deal because Jewish law had a provision for widows with no children. Because like I said, there was no welfare system per se, not like we know it. Um, and this was sometimes referred to as the law of the kinsman redeemer. You can Read about that, if you like. It's in the 25th chapter of Leviticus. And this law called for the nearest unmarried relative to marry the widow, and then the children from that marriage would be raised up and treated as heirs of the late husband. It was to keep the family name going, which in the Old Testament was extremely important because of that promise we talked about in my Sunday school class you want to learn about Genesis, come to my Sunday school class. Um, in Genesis 3.15, where God promises that the seed of the woman would defeat the seed of the serpent at the cross. And so it's the promise that the seed of the, the Christ would come through the seed of the woman, 
why it was so important for each family to have a, a, an ongoing uh, lineage because they didn't want to be left out of the possibility of that promise. Um, well, Ruth was a very beautiful lady, so maybe it shouldn't be too hard to find a willing kinsman redeemer, maybe, right? Uh, but there was some fine print attached to this law. So if you wanted to redeem the girl, along with the girl came any financial obligations, like outstanding student loans and <laughs> maxed out visa cards and so forth. Um, in this case, Naomi had been forced to put up the family lands that belonged to her late husband for sale because once the harvest season was over and there was no gleaning, they had no means of support. So according to this law, Mary and Ruth meant buying Naomi's land and then handing it right back to her free and clear. The kinsman redeemer got uh, nothing out of that part of the deal. Uh, if, if he wanted to redeem the woman, he had to marry her. But he didn't get the land. He had to give it right back. Well, Boaz, being a righteous and a generous man, was willing to marry Ruth and redeem the land as well. There was a nearer kinsman in the story, and he was willing to redeem the land, so it wasn't all bad, but he didn't, he didn't want the girl. So that gave Boaz a clear shot. Uh, if you'll allow me a tangent here just for a moment, I hope you see the parallel here between Boaz and Christ. Uh, Boaz is a great picture of Christ in the Old Testament in that Christ is our kinsman redeemer. And for a, to, to redeem someone, you had to be the nearest kinsman. Well, for Christ to be our kinsman, he had to be human. That's why Christ had to be all human and all God at the same time uh, to qualify as our kinsman redeemer. And, of course, the kinsman redeemer not only had to be willing, Christ went to the cross willingly, but he also had to be rich. Uh, it wasn't helpful for him to be willing but have no money to redeem the family land. Well, Boaz was both, and so was Jesus. Uh, Boaz paid a great price to redeem the family land, and Ruth and, Bo, uh, Ruth and um, Naomi. Of course, Jesus paid an infinite price to redeem us and make us his bride. So you see there's a, a great instructive lesson in that law of the kinsman redeemer. So I would really encourage you to read that and, and then in Leviticus 25 and then read this story and you'll really see a lot of light about what Jesus did for us. Well, back to the story. Uh, this has a happy ending, of course. They got married, redeems Ruth and Naomi in the land, and then uh, Ruth and Boaz have a child named Obed. Obed grows up as a child named Jesse, who has a child named David, King David. And, of course, you know, Christ is in the direct line of David and rules on his throne. So, you see, Ruth becomes a very prominent figure in the line of men and women that God used to bring Christ to the world. And she was a Moabite. Isn't it amazing how God... We, we limit ourselves and, and, you know, she would have gone, well, God can't use me, I'm just a Moabite. But 
She saw God as the one who was more than enough, and that turned God loose to bless her. And he not only blessed her with a husband, but a prominent place in the history of redemption. Okay, I thought I was supposed to be talking about how to find a husband or wife. Well, that wasn't a totally unrelated tangent. I'm going to pick that up in a minute. Every true love story begins with a heavenly love story. Before Ruth fell in love with Boaz, she fell in love with the Lord. Uh, and gentlemen, that the same thing's true. Uh, Boaz fell in love with the Lord before he fell in love with, with Ruth. That's, that's all important. Falling in love with a person should be the outworking of our love relationship with the Lord. The, the Lord that, it was the Lord that, that drew them together. It was the Lord that arranged that romance. It was the Lord that arranged that marriage. Um, you, you see there in Ruth, in um, chapter 1, verses 11 to 13, where Naomi urges her daughters-in-law to go back to Moab because she can't give them any more sons to marry, which would have been the tradition with this law of the kinsman redeemer. And so what that passage shows is that Ruth was perfectly willing to remain unmarried. And Naomi faced her with that uh, decision. And Ruth made that decision and made that that allegiance to uh, Naomi and to Naomi's God, knowing that going back to Bethlehem with her may very well mean that she would never find a husband. Uh, her chances would have been much better back in Moab. But, of course, it would have been with an unbelieving husband. Uh, So Ruth was faced with this prospect of never again marrying, and she accepted the Lord and went on with with Naomi anyway. You see, Moabites weren't welcome in Israel. Uh, They were enemies of God. They were pagan. In fact, there was a ten-generation curse on Moab because of their origins. And uh, so Ruth could not have expected anything better back there than than uh, rejection and disdain, meaning that the possibility of finding a husband was pretty slim. But as I said, this view of God as the one that's more than enough was Ruth's first view of God after Naomi led her to the Lord. And you can, you can see it in her, her humility to, to go out and glean in the fields and not just to expect charity. Um, not expecting anything more from God, including the possibility of never finding a husband. So I urge you, uh, set your hearts on the Lord. Uh, Settle that first. And then if God's willing to drop a Boaz in your lap, uh, praise God, but go after the Lord first. Uh, Boaz wasn't on a wild wife hunt either. Uh, His heart was set on the Lord why Why did Boaz leave the gleanings in the field? Maybe he put some extra there because of Ruth, but that wasn't that wasn't the original reason why he told his instru- his reapers to uh, to to do that. You see, it wasn't because he was hoping some Cinderella would come tripping into his field and he'd find a wife and from the gleaners. Uh, he left the gleaning in, gleanings in the field because he wanted to obey God. Where's that? 
It's in Leviticus. I'm going to read Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10. The Jews were instructed, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. You see, God made a provision for the poor and for the, for the foreigner uh, that they could go into the fields of the Jews and, and pick up whatever they dropped. So Boaz just had his heart set on obeying God. I believe that. Um, he told his drop a little extra for Ruth, but he was obeying God before Ruth showed up. Uh, please hear this. When your heart is set on obeying God, God's going to bring Ruth to your field. You, you, don't, you don't have to worry about Ruth showing up. God's going to bring Ruth to your field. Uh, you just make sure that your heart is set on obeying God. And that's where Boaz's heart was, and God took care that the right woman showed up at his field at the right time. Um, do you realize this, that, that every step that you take forward in obedience to God is a forward step in the will of God for your life, and that includes God's will for a life partner. You can trust in that. There's a lot of rest in that. I know so many young people get frustrated about a partner, and you know they say, "Well, that's easy for you to say. You've you've got a family and children. You know, I can't even find any Christians to date." And it's true, you can't fit, catch fish in a bathtub. Uh, and and very often God provides uh, life partners through some Christian college group or or. Uh, through some church, and it was, it was connections at church that where I met my wife. But God is not bound to that. God, in fact, God's not bound to anything. Uh, God is going to meet all the needs of every heart that's set on obeying Him. I, 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 I believe that with all my heart. So don't worry, God will bring that uh, into your life in due time. You just acknowledge Him in all your ways as Proverbs says, and he'll direct your path. See, marriage is not the goal. Obedience is the goal. Marriage is an outworking of that. and It has to be in that order. Um, Some people think, well, if I don't keep my eyes open for for Ruth, if I don't keep my eyes open for boys, I'm going to miss them. No, you're not. Not if your heart's set on Christ. You're you're not. Um, When your heart is set on him, when you fall in love with with Jesus, God will arrange for your life partner. He will. Uh, Ruth's dating prospects were were pretty minimal. You know, I mean, she's a foreigner. Jews weren't supposed to marry foreigners, least of all Moabites. But God sent Naomi to play Cupid, and also to tell Ruth how to go about appropriating their redemption. Um, it's a funny story to read. Naomi's back there pulling all these strings, and, and Ruth is being clueless, and Boaz is is courting her. It's a great love story. Uh, I would like to tell you the, my own story, and there's a purpose behind it. Uh, finding a wife for myself wasn't much different with the reputation of most sailors. That was approximately equal to being a Moabite in Israel. 
Uh, it was. But God sent a Naomi into my life named Cloanne Bonfilio, who liked to play matchmaker. Uh, I was stationed aboard a, a ship out of Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, for about five years, and I made friends with a Christian couple there, Joel and, and Chloe-Ann. And later I was on an aircraft carrier out of San Diego, and each time we crossed the Pacific, uh, we would stop at Pearl Harbor, and when it did, I would call up my friends looking for a, a home-cooked meal. And each time I would do this, Chloe-Ann would then pick up the phone and call their friend Leslie and say... <laughs> Why don't you come over for dinner? We haven't seen you for a while. Well, on the third trip across the Pacific, it was getting kind of obvious to me and Leslie what, what they were up to. Um, well, then after, after living in Japan for a year, I finally got orders back to Pearl Harbor. And uh, I joined a little Christian fellowship where my friends attended. And the first Sunday back, there was a, a potluck after church. And, of course, Chloe made sure to invite Leslie. And, and um, well, finally, I wasn't leaving port the next day uh, like as it had been previously. And so the short version is she gave me her phone number, and six months later we were married on the beach in Hawaii. <laughs> but the point of this is it would have never, believe me, it would have never happened without divine intervention. But it did happen. It did happen. And it's because I wanted more than anything to do God's will. And I wasn't going to settle for anyone whose heart was not equally set up on the Lord. Um, of course, that was 38 years ago. It's amazing. Um, and we're still in love with each other, and it's because we're still in love with Jesus. Amen. And, and the main point of my telling you this story is that I found the perfect life partner, not by looking for one, but by looking for God. Um, turn, if you would, uh, over one chapter to Ruth chapter 2. We're going to read verse 3. I don't normally read the King James, but I love the King James in regard to this one verse. I'm talking about Ruth here. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and it was her hap to light upon a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. That was Naomi's late husband, of course. Um, I like that. It was her hap, like it just happened. <laughs> uh, not in a million years did it just happen. I'm telling you, God, that hap had God's fingerprints all over it. Um, the world has its own words to describe this. They talk about luck or chance or fate. But the amazing thing is, and it contains a tremendous life principle, that event... Ruth arriving at the field of Boaz, that decision, that hap, that was a turning point in her life. And you realize that that decision to choose Boaz's field above all the others 
determined her marriage. It determined her union with the people of God, uh, her association with Israel, her motherhood, her happiness, and not the least of which is her place in the ancestral line of Christ. It was so important that Ruth get to the right field. I mean, she was in the direct line of Christ. She had to get to the right field. You, you think, oh no, what if she picked the wrong field? <laughs> we're we're going to have to tell the wise men not to come and cancel the Christmas pageant. <laughs> you would expect for a decision one that's going to determine a destiny like that, that surely God would at a minimum give her some clear direction. You know, like a voice out of heaven or a vision or a dream or send some prophet into her life, some kind of sign, something so she doesn't blow it and choose the wrong field. How important it was to get to that field. Well, of course, you know, God's plans are never thwarted. Not ever. And I tell you, there's as much mystery as as there is beauty here. Once your heart is in Bethlehem, and you've come back to Bethlehem, and you've turned your back on Moab, you will not miss the field of Boaz. You won't. Uh, There's a lot of comfort in this. God will see to it over and over again. He uses this principle in the Bible. Uh, It was seemingly by chance that... Rachel, I can't talk here, <laughs> that brought Jacob and Rachel together. It, it was seemingly chance that the Pharaoh's daughter went down to the river when the baby Moses was floating in the basket. And you remember in King, 1 Kings twenty two thirty four 34, ter- tells us how Ahab, the king of Israel, was killed by an arrow in battle when a, an archer just shot an arrow into the battle fray and it struck him at a joint in his armor. How seemingly random. But, you know, we, we make finding God's will so difficult and so mysterious, but the point is, is once your heart is on Christ, you can't miss it. You, you can't miss that field because God ordains your step. Of course, the key is having your heart set on Him. You don't have to get into a panic every time you uh, make a decision if you're gonna, as if you're going to miss your destiny or the will of God for your life or, or miss the field of Boaz. In fact, I'll state it the way it's on my heart. Once your heart is set on Christ, you will stumble into the will of God. Will of God. It's going to be your hap to light upon it. Uh, Ruth had no idea of the consequences of getting to the right field. I mean, what difference did it make for a poor stranger which field she gleaned barley from? Uh, You know, how big a deal could that be? She had no idea how God had arranged that that decision would mean the destiny of Israel and even the world. The point is, though, she didn't know it, but she didn't blow it either. And that's because God was overseeing the whole thing. Uh, without any forethought, she just acted in the most logical way, and she ended up in the right place. And this is ordinarily how God guides us. No fireworks, no visions, no vis- personal visitation from the angel of the Lord. Uh, 
God will just take your everyday decisions and guide you to light upon the right place. Uh, this kind of seems cold and detached. And you go here, you uh, visit someone there, you pick up a book, you listen to a teaching. But as your heart is continually, and I stress continually, set up on the Lord, He works out your destiny. And, uh, you know, who knows what great ways God might use your marriage or your children from that marriage to do his great will. But the point is, is you don't have to worry about trying to make it happen. Uh, Ruth didn't. She just merely focused on being in love with Boaz. And God made sure that their union brought Christ to the world. And if you and I focus on our love with Christ our heavenly Boaz, God will make sure that my union and yours will also bring Christ to the world. I'm going to close with two verses to leave you with as guidance. Uh, the first is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And I know you're familiar with this. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy might. And the other is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Uh, certainly God doesn't call, God, I'm sorry, certainly God does call some people to remain unmarried, but to those individuals God gives a special gift to enable them to live that way. But the Bible makes it clear that for the vast majority, it's his will for us to have a Christian life partner. And I can't promise what God's will is for you, but I can promise you that if it's God's will for you to be married and you make these two verses true in your life, you cannot, and I repeat, cannot miss getting into the right field to find your life partner. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Houghton Baptist Podcast. We appreciate your support. And speaking of support, there's a lot of different ways you can support Houghton Baptist in addition to the traditional way of giving your tithe or check at church. We have online giving on our website at HoughtonBaptist.org. And we also have text giving. If you're interested in text giving, just dial 906-346-1317 and follow the information from there. Easy peasy. If you're looking for a church or you're just not sure what church is all about, why don't you stop by Houghton Baptist Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Be there. Come as you are. We do. Have a great day.